So what, uh, what did we just witness up on the screens here? Was uh, time, what did you think? Time, very good. It was, it was a time lapse of the setting up of the 80-foot Christmas tree at the Rockefeller Center in uh, New York City. I don't know if, uh, if you have ever been a part of, I'm going to guess that you have, maybe at a lesser degree, but I remember a time uh, quite a few years ago, uh, our family, we had gone to uh, do kind of our annual thing. This is going back when our kids were a little bit younger. We had gone to a tree farm south of Steinbeck, and uh, we were wandering around and looking for this perfect tree that we were going to cut down, and we found it. We cut it down, and we had our hot chocolate. In the process, we uh, met some, some long time ago friends uh, who said that they were, uh, right after this, they were going to the Bethesda tree lighting which is in Steinbeck at the Bethesda Hospital, where they've got uh, multitudes of trees, and they're all strung with Christmas lights, and they have this ceremony where, uh, in, in a moment, at a mo certain moment, uh, all of the lights come on. And uh, so they invited us to go along with them. And, um, and then they told us that there was free hot dogs, and we had four hungry kids. And uh, so we thought it made sense, regardless of uh, what the tree lighting was going to be all about. It would make sense for us to go and, uh, and do this. And so we went. And uh, we were a part of this. And I remember kind of milling around and, and kind of visiting with a few people. But everybody was kind of waiting for this moment when the lights would come on. And I remember the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one... And the lights came on. And it was kind of this magical moment when something very normal, boring actually, in many ways, something kind of boring all of a sudden and normal sprang to life. All over the world there's actually these types of Christmas tree lighting events. I think Morris even has something, shining lights, I think typically they call it. Uh, I heard of St. Agath having, I, I'm sure it, it happens all over the place. I googled it and I saw all over the place there's these kind of events where they have this, this monumental kind of lighting of the Christmas tree and where something kind of dark and boring becomes all of a sudden in a moment it becomes full of life when the, when the lights come on. You've probably even experienced it somewhat in your own living rooms where you set up the tree and you string the tree with lights and then if things go as planned when you plug in the lights boom the tree comes to life and so there's this this uh, this moment i appreciate what the worship committee did this year coming up with the idea of of uh, for our advent um, the theme of waiting and, and I like that. And if you were here last Sunday, you heard Jesse speak from Isaiah chapter 9, where uh, many, many hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, there was this man who spoke about and prophesied, and the verse was already in the bulletin, was read a couple times for us already this morning from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And you will have kind of seen the prophecy, you will have seen the prophecy, Isaiah speaking about somebody coming and bringing light to the darkness. 
And after Isaiah prophesied that and he talked about how light was going to dawn, there was this time of waiting. And uh, this normal, mundane, everyday life that turned into one year and another year and 100 years and 200 years and ultimately over 400 years. Scholars kind of call it the 400 silent years when there was really kind of nothing very significant happening in the spiritual world. And it, was, it just seemed like this quiet, empty, mundane time of waiting. And they didn't really know exactly what they were waiting for, but they had heard this prophecy of Isaiah where it was going to, they were going to experience this light. I think it's fair to say that rarely is waiting fun. Maybe, maybe for a little bit, but then our curiosity turns into frustration and our attention turns into anxiousness and our longing turns into worry and our anticipation turns into boredom. I mean, we can only wait for so and so long and then we don't enjoy waiting. We don't like waiting for supper. We don't like waiting for appointments or tests or surgery. Children mostly don't enjoy waiting for Christmas and the Blue Bomber fans didn't enjoy waiting 29 years for the Grey Cup. Uh, but we did win, by the way, and um, I don't think that our local Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans had been reminded of that publicly yet, <laughs> and so I'd just like to make sure that we cover that. Good deal. Now let's get back to waiting. Waiting and lights. Waiting for the lights to be turned on. Isaiah said 400 years earlier, to the people walking in darkness, a light has dawned. Maybe the most desperate times of waiting are when we are waiting in the darkness. And you are waiting for light. I remember driving truck through the night. And it kind of seemed, the night kind of seemed endless. And I remember straining my neck as I was driving the truck, straining my neck, looking to the east to see if perchance there might already be just a glimmer. That's how boring it was to drive truck at night. And I was waiting to see if it might be that there's already a glimmer of light somewhere on the horizon. I was waiting for the dawn to come because I was so tired of the night and the darkness. Like I said, maybe the most desperate waiting that we can experience is waiting for light when we feel like we are in the darkness. Isaiah said to the people walking in darkness, a light has dawned. There's also perhaps no greater relief than seeing light in the middle of the darkness. Whether that's darkness of the heart, darkness of health, the darkness in your emotional world, the darkness in your spiritual world, darkness in your home or in your workplace or in your family life, waiting for the light to dawn when you find yourself walking in darkness. Jump to John chapter 1. See, Matthew has a very nice re recording of the birth of Jesus. 
kind of the unique part about the, the Christmas story in Matthew is the wise men coming. The rest of the New Testament doesn't speak about the wise men. Luke has a very nice recording of the Christmas story. It's probably the most commonly read Christmas story in the book of Luke. And it has some very nice aspects to it. Uh, but perhaps, for sure the shortest, perhaps the most profound recording of the Christmas story for me is found in the book of John. At least if you are someone that knows what it feels like to walk in darkness, as did those people long, long time ago who were waiting for the birth of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. I want to read them for you. John 1, 6 to 9. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. Now, remember, these people are very aware of that Isaiah prophecy 400 years earlier. They are religious people. They understand the Old Testament. They have read the prophets over and over and over again. They know what Isaiah said 400 years ago. Now here John is saying, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light that Isaiah was speaking about in chapter 9, verse 2. So that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this is the Christmas story in the book of John. John 1 verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I like that. That's the entire Christmas story in the book of John. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Ever since the prophecy of Isaiah, the people had been waiting for this light that Isaiah had talked about. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this light to kind of pierce their darkness. Now this, this man, John, whom we have come to know as John the Baptist, he had the task of preparing the people for the coming of this, of this, or that light. This John was actually the cousin to Jesus. He was actually also a miracle baby. If you go to Luke chapter 1, you can read a little bit about it. Uh, you can read about his miracle birth. Zechariah was his dad. He was a priest, and while one day while he was performing his priestly duties... He is met by an angel that tells him that he is going to, he and his wife Elizabeth, who are both past the normal years of bearing children, they are going to have a son. And this son is supposed to be, receive the name John. And the angel tells Zechariah, this son, whom you will name John, is, his role is going to be to, and I quote, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. After the birth of this baby, John, his, uh, his father, Zechariah, praises God with a song. And those were the words that Dee read for us here earlier. Zechariah's praise words regarding the birth of this, of this John. So when the disciple John, uh, this, this is getting a little confusing here. It's a different John. It's a little confusing. I, I actually kind of get that because uh, in Pearl's family, there's um, in one side of Pearl's family... There's uh, four Uncle Johns, right? It's kind of nice, actually, when you marry into a family like that because you go to a family gathering, you can't go wrong. Hi, Uncle John. Hi, Uncle John. 
Hi, Uncle John. Hi, Uncle John. So it's very, very easy. And then they went and mixed it all up. They started to call one of them Uncle Yohon, and one of them was Uncle John E, and uh, the other two shared Uncle John. Um, actually, all of this, no, that's not right. There was one sister that uh, kind of got really risky. She married somebody that wasn't a John. Uh, he was Pete. So they had four Johns and one Pete. What does that have to do with this? Uh... John. John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the guy that we're talking about. He's the one who had the role of preparing the people for the Lord. Testifying to the light. Alright, that was John the Baptist. John the disciple, he's the one that writes this, this book. The Gospel of John in your Bibles. And so when John the disciple records this, he points the people back to the, the, uh, the uh, prophecy in the book of Isaiah, and John the Baptist comes as, a, as somebody to testify concerning that light that was spoken about by the prophet Isaiah. When he says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, I'm telling you, the prophecy of Isaiah is going to be fulfilled, people. It's being fulfilled. Your waiting time is just about done. Now, work with me for a few minutes. Um, I want to speak for just a couple of minutes. Why is this darkness and light symbolism used in speaking about the birth of Jesus? Why is this darkness and light symbolism used in speaking about the birth of Jesus? It's actually used in more places in the Bible about the coming of Jesus or the purpose of Jesus. First off, let me say a few words about, about darkness. Now, I'm open to your thoughts, but I'm going to suggest that darkness is perhaps the best description of how we feel when things are at their very worst. In fact, darkness, which is actually simply a natural cosmic phenomena, there's actually nothing inherently bad or good about darkness. It just is something. And you're sitting there and you're, you're actually almost ready to argue with me, which I can appreciate. Because you're already saying, yes, Darren, darkness is dark. And darkness has, I will agree with you, has actually become very synonymous by now with much more than a simple natural phenomena. Especially in our world that is so preoccupied, it seems, with, with mental health. Someone asked me about that this past week, and maybe that's a topic for another time. But, but in a world that has become very preoccupied with, with mental health, this word darkness has become so much more than, than a simple physical descriptor. And I, I'm okay with that. But really at the core, darkness is simply the absence of physical light. So all it is physically. Oh yes. When that is reality, when it is dark, when there is an absence of light, you can't see anything. 
our eyes need light to be able to see. If my science teacher was correct and if I understood him correct, then the light reflects off of the object and somehow back towards my eyes and I can see and I can see all kinds of amazing things but it is only because there is light. I don't know how good your imaginations are but if you tried to imagine for a moment uh, if we could at this very moment if we could actually make this room completely dark like completely dark can you can you go there? Like, no light. Alright? And we'd be starting to feel for things and we'd be starting to, and we'd be trying to get up and we'd want to get out of here somehow and in the process we'd bump into each other, we'd stumble and fall, other people would trip over us, we would get hurt physically, I would probably get angry at some of you by the time we got out of here, there would be complete chaos if all we did was remove the light. Because darkness robs us of the ability to see. If it was completely dark in here, there would be complete disaster. Children would be crying, adults would be yelling. We would have complete chaos, all because of darkness. Now at another place in Isaiah, we've already talked Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Another place in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, Isaiah says this. See... Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. Darkness is horrible. And this darkness can come in so many different forms. When you are in darkness, you find yourself desperately waiting for the dawn. You find yourself desperately waiting for the light to come on because you know that when the light comes the darkness will have to leave so remember the question why do we use this darkness light symbolism about the coming of Jesus into the world because light dispels darkness it's actually a very very basic again scientific principle uh, that light and darkness cannot, now Pat you did a good job of, of telling us kind of how they coexist, but in the, in the big scheme of things, light and complete darkness cannot coexist at the same time. It's, it's impossible scientifically. You have a completely dark room and you inject light into there, the darkness has to kind of leave because darkness and light cannot coexist at the same time. Light dispels darkness. When the light comes, darkness has to be gone. So why does the Bible use light coming into the darkness as a symbol of Jesus coming? Because light dispels darkness. Jesus came to be light. Jesus came to dispel darkness. Darkness of all kinds, spiritual darkness and all the other kinds. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But that is why I love Christmas lights. Now some people over the years, my heritage would be the same way. Um, you know, Christmas lights and a ton of different decorations. It's, it's getting too frivolous. It's, it's too kind of too, um, too uh, secular and all of this. And I, I struggle with, with uh, some of that I get. But the lights part I don't get because to me there is no more biblical way of symbolizing Christmas than putting up lights. 
I love to see Christmas lights. I don't like putting them up myself, but I like it when all of you put them up. And when I can drive around in the dark and I can see lights. And especially I feel like out in the country where we live is kind of cool uh, because like where we generally live. You can drive around and you see darkness but then there's lights and there's lights and there's lights and there's lights over there and you see these lights kind of piercing the darkness all over the place and I get this picture that that is what Jesus came to do. The darkness, remember what Isaiah said, a thick darkness covers the people. And Jesus came to punch holes in the darkness and to let the light shine through. Light dispels darkness. Also, light is necessary for life. Those of you that do stuff with plants, um, you know, you kind of ignore a plant for a while. It's tucked away in the corner someplace and uh, it's not getting proper light. And after uh, a not too, too long, different plants are different, but not too, too long, normally plants will begin to become pale and sickly looking when they're not getting the kind of light they're supposed to get. Park a trailer someplace in the summertime and, uh, and leave it there for a couple weeks and then you move it and the grass underneath the trailer looks pale and sickly. Sometimes it'll come back, sometimes it dies altogether if you left the trailer there too long because light is necessary for life. And actually, in the Bible, there are places where it kind of uses those words interchangeably, the light and life word. John chapter 1, verse 3, same chapter, just a few verses earlier, says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And it, so it uses the words light and life interchangeably. Many of you will have heard of something called SAD, I think it's still called that in the medical world, seasonal affect disorder. It actually is a phenomenon or a disorder that hits a certain uh, percentage of our people, people that are especially prone to during long seasons of very little light to depression and sadness during times when they see very little bright light. And many clinics have now begun to offer something called light therapy where people sit beside lights that are supposed to have some of the same properties that natural light has. Because we understand that for healthy life we need light. I know that when I was a kid growing up, if I was getting a little bit too annoying inside, or a little bit too impossible to please inside in the house, my dad's philosophy very quickly was, you need more sunlight. And so it was a very nice way, I think, uh, he, he sounded pretty smart, it was a nice way for him to say, get outside. You need more natural light. It was interesting that that almost always coincided with the fact that there was work that needed to be done outside. Some of those were the times when, uh, uniquely, I was acting up at the, at the, at the wrong time. Um, so if we had sad in our house, we didn't dare mention it because we knew that the cure was to be work outside. Maybe we shouldn't, um, maybe we should tell health professionals about that. Certainly that's not the entire answer. But actually, sometimes perhaps, sunshine and hard physical work, I'm not making light of, 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 mental health challenges, just saying there might be something there to consider. Sunlight and hard physical work. My dad would say there is. Light brings life. 
Light also reveals purpose and hope and motivation. Jesus said himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I remember watching a film when I was a youngster. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I was young enough to be scared. I remember that. It was a film called, I think it was called The Pioneer. And it was one of these uh, old film projectors with the big reel, and sometimes the picture would be flickering back and forth like this. Anyways, here I was, a little kid, and I was watching this movie, film. Not mo We didn't watch movies back then. It was a film. We, watched, we were watching a film together with, I think it was my dad's extended family. It was this big day. We were going to watch a, a film in the evening. And it was a story about a family, a mom and a dad and two, uh, two young boys that had give, been given a parcel of land by the government. I think it was in Saskatchewan someplace. And so they moved out there. They moved during the summer, obviously. And they, they got this little plant, plot of land, and they were real excited. And they built this little sod house. And, uh, and then winter started coming, of course. And uh, during the course of the winter, the film had this way of showing how the food was slowly becoming less and less and less. And finally, the food was all gone. And the dad had to go walk. Uh, physically, he had to walk himself a couple of miles to the nearest neighbor to get some food. And as he does this walk and he gets the food and he's carrying this big uh, gunny sack on the back with food in it and he's starting to make his way back toward their house. And, uh, and it started to snow. And then the snow started blowing. And then it started getting dark. And finally there was this time of snow blowing and complete darkness and he's struggling and the snow is getting deeper and deeper and he's struggling his way through the snow and he falls and he gets back up again and he keeps going and he falls. Each time he falls it takes him a little longer to get back up again and finally he's completely disoriented. He's looking in all directions and he's wondering where exactly to go and he's struggling forward and he's trying to keep going and losing energy and losing energy less and less. Every time it's taking him longer to get up finally he drops down into the snow and he stays laying there and I was about to scream as a little kid. This was terrifying for me. This dad, he was going to die there, and his boys were going to be at home without a dad, everything else. But finally, he does get up again, and he keeps putting one foot in front of the other, and he's walking, taking a few more steps, and all of a sudden, he stops, and he looks. And then it disappears again, but he takes a few more steps, and he looks again, and yes, he sees it. And all of a sudden, this body that was completely drained of energy, no motivate, ready to give up, he was completely done. All of a sudden, it was teeming with life. And he started marching forward through the deep snowdrifts. He fell a few more times, but got up instantly. Almost before he was down, he was back up again, walking towards the... All of that happened because he saw the... How can it be? All of that just because he saw the light. Yes, thank you. Light. Unbelievable the difference that light can make. A complete change from hopelessness and despair to power and energy and motivation and hope and anticipation. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. In this world we live in, we need light. Sometimes we settle too quickly for artificial light. Sometimes we settle too quickly for light 
therapy. Just something that's going to get me through the day. Something that's going to get me through the week. Or maybe through this seasonal disorder thing. Something that's going to kind of, you know, maybe going to church once a week or, or praying before meals, you know, that should kind of do it. Or, or living in a community and, uh, that's kind of Christian and, and having Christian friends, maybe that's going to do it. Or we think that the light of winning a sports game or having a boyfriend or getting good grades or having a good job or making money or having a nice house and obe- obedient kids, you know, all of those are nice lights, but they're very little LEDs, actually. We need more. We want more. We want the real thing. We don't want light therapy. We want the real thing. Almost like on a day like today, if you could actually remove everything except the snow, and you would walk outside and you would see the brilliance of the sunlight and the snow reflecting back at you, and your eyes would be watering, and you would have to blink because it would be so brilliant that you wouldn't really be able to see light streaming in from all directions. We want light. We need light. I look around and I see so much darkness. I look around and I see emotional darkness and physical darkness, the darkness of illness and relationship darkness, the darkness of drugs and alcohol and the darkness of the unknown and the darkness of the mind and the heart and the soul and the spirit. And I feel like saying, what is going on here? Didn't Isaiah say when Jesus was born that he came to do away with all this darkness? On those walking in darkness, a light has dawned. And what about Isaiah 60 verse 1 and 2? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. I hope, like me, you are compelled to ask, so then, why is there still so much darkness? And I will humbly admit that I don't know. The only answer I have is what I have already read a few times this morning is John chapter 1, verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. It is in the process of happening. It has happened, and it is happening, and it will yet happen. Because light dispels darkness, it has to. But it is not yet complete, and so we keep on waiting also. There is still something waiting to happen. Yes, the light has come and is coming and will come. Interesting words. I'm going to conclude with a couple of scriptures here. Interesting words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Listen. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now listen. Meanwhile, we groan because of the darkness. Longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Longing to be clothed with with light. Now does God who has made us for this very purpose and has, here it is has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so we wait. But we wait with the incredible blessing of having the Holy Spirit. And then while we wait, with the Holy Spirit already in us, 
While we wait for this completeness and fullness to become total reality, we also embrace the commission that was given to John the Baptist. Remember it said he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Is it fair to assume that in the same way that John was given this commission to prepare the people for the first coming of Jesus, we are now given this same commission to help prepare the people for his next coming? Let me throw in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We are not the light. We are not the light. We came to give testimony to the light by reflecting the light, the Lord's glory. That's our job while we wait with the Holy Spirit already in us to reflect the light while we wait. Amen. Why don't you guys stand with us?